0: listening to the Down the Pulp Podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepulp.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Down the Pulp Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Abbott. On this episode, we are joined by Cork City manager Neil Fenn. We just have a a chat about Neil's playing career and also his move into management. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure to give us a follow. And also, you can head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, on with the show. Okay, so welcome to the Down the Pub podcast. We are honored to be joined by Cork City manager Neil Fenn. Welcome to the show, Neil.
1: Hi, Denise.
0: pleasure, thank you. Oh, I really appreciate you doing this. So, um, before we get into your managerial career, uh, I thought we'd just have a quick chat about your playing career, if that's okay?
1: Yeah, no worries.
0: So, I'm a Tottenham fan, so this is man. Great, to, great to talk about. Uh, so, yeah. you, you grew up in the youth system at Tottenham. What was it like being called up into the first team and training alongside people like Teddy Sheringham, Darren Anderton, and Gary Mabbitt?
1: Those... Those lads uh, were, were my heroes growing up, especially Gary Mabot, glad you mentioned him. He was probably my number one hero when I was growing up. I used to go, I was born um, not far from the ground. So I used to, my dad used to take me pretty much every home game, Well, every single home game. Um, so Gary Mabot would, would have joined around about the time I started getting into Tottenham. So he would have been a hero of mine growing up. And uh, Yeah, like you say, I joined Tottenham at 11, went through the schoolboy system at the time, and went through the, the YTS, the youth training scheme and then through the professionals, so um, it was like I was living the dream every day. I was there.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like just to, to kind of think that you're, you look across and there's Gary Mabba and Teddy Shearing looking back at you.
1: It's, <laughs> it's a, yeah, you, it's definitely, you don't really. You don't. Uh, I think you take it a little bit for granted when you're there, to be honest, because they're just like normal people. Once you get to know them and and you, you're around them all the time, they're just normal people. So it, it doesn't. It doesn't. um it doesn't seem that way looking back now. Yeah, obviously it seems and from outside looking in. But for me at the time, it was just it just it was a job, and it was you know you had a bit of banter with them, and they had a bit of banter with you back, and they give you stick, you give them stick. It was it was just you were like workmates. That's a, that's a
0: that's a that's a cool way of thinking about, it, I guess. Like it's a, yeah. I don't think I don't think people think of the the fact that it's a job, right? I mean, I think people just think that like you know you get to go and hang out with your buddies all day, but it's still. You have to get to, to drive to work and run about and stuff, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's 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 easier than doing other jobs, but I think football is mentally tough. Um, I think we all know that we all, we all want to be at the top of our game, playing well every week and, and being picked for the for the first team every week. But there's a lot of knockbacks along the way. You know, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of every single day you're getting judged. Every single day you're getting a, a knockback or you're not getting the recognition you deserve. And even if you are, there's someone having to go at you somewhere. So it's not as easy. It sounds like a dream job, but it is. Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd swap it for anything now. But at the time, it, 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 it is mentally, um, it does get in on top of you mentally a little bit.
0: So it's kind of funny then when you think about like people like, um, uh, I, I've heard people talk about like Adebayor and stuff like that, how they just didn't want to put the effort in and stuff like that. It's kind of crazy when people have had that amount of talent just don't seem to really give a shit. Like for for you, yeah. like looking at those kind of people, it must be like I think. I
1: mean, I look at I look at people, and and some people say they've got bad attitude, but you can't have a bad attitude to make it into the Premier League. You just can't. Somewhere along the line, um, you you, you had to get there. So, all right, money might change them, or, or fame might change them when they get there, and 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 possibly you know they throw their dummy dummy out of uh, the toys out the pram and spit their dummy out, but they're not. They would have had a good attitude somewhere along the line and, and and um 'cause you can't get to the top with a bad attitude. That's the one thing that you have to you have to have right because there'll be so many people willing to to knock you back if you have got a bad attitude. But yeah, it's you know, it is it's tough from out from the outside looking in, you think, why? Well, how can these footballers complain? They've got this, they've got that, but in every walk of life, you know, it's it's money and money and fame's not everything. You need to be happy and um it's not always the money and the fame that makes you happy. So um, I think that for for Adi and people like that, you know, it's, it's 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 not as easy as that.
0: So I know you've probably uh, talked about this a million times, and uh, you've probably done the circuit in the pubs with this one, but uh, you got to you got to you got to make your uh, your debut against Man United at Old Trafford. Um, like so, obviously Tottenham's main strikers like to the of them, were out injured, and you got the call up. Like what's going through your head, and how do you cope with the nerves when, like Jerry Francis says, you're
1: playing? Yeah, to be honest, I, I didn't have a clue. I was i been in, I'd only been in a couple of squads, traveling to away games, and never been on the bench. So I was, you know, I, I didn't think I'd look around. You know, you know that you you might get on the bench. That was what I was hoping for. I was thinking he could play, hit him up there. He could go up there and play a, a one up one up front because Rory Allen at the time was a was a little bit in front of me in the pecking order. So I thought that you know, what the best ways I'll get on the bench, and then hopefully I'll get on for for a few minutes at the end, because you get your appearance money as well, which was which was a good thing as well. So that's what I was thinking at the time. But then he named the team like whatever it was an hour and a half before before the match, and I was in it, and I just couldn't believe it. I was looking around, and people coming up to me, lads were coming up to me, and and just talking me through it, and I was I just couldn't believe it and going up there. Going out for the warm-up was surreal and just it, my, the, the thing I was most nervous about was whether I'd be fit enough, whether I'd last the 90 minutes with the pace because it's a different level, um, the pace of the game at, at that level, you know. So that's the one thing that I, I was really most worried about. Ability-wise, I'd be okay. It was whether or not I would be would embarrass my, embarrass my family back home.
0: <laughs> so but uh, you did get to see a, a Beckham Free kick up close. That must be been pretty good. Yeah, close. I was in the
1: wall for that. I was, I was watching that go over my head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your, your best memory for football was not getting smacked in the face with a David Beckham free kick. Yeah,
1: it's not bad That As soon as he hit it, I knew it was in. It was, just, it was, it was, it was, it was so far over my, over my head that we couldn't jump. But I could just see it dipping as it went over my head. I thought, that's going in. But they had, like, they had an unbelievable team at the time. They, they had Scholes was playing, Canton, Arkeen, Giggs. They just had a phenomenal team.
0: To be honest with you, like I mean, like that Tottenham team had some pretty good players too. It was just, in, it was just injury ravaged all the time. Like Darren Anderton was like a walking like hospital case of God bless him. Uh, yeah, it was. I just think Jerry, like Jerry, was a good manager. I just think that he got like, really unlucky. Yeah, um,
1: they, 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 like we had looking back, the, the amount of strikers I had in front of me at the time, and the amount of you know good players, it was just defensively. I think let's like, start a few times in the season and. Um, a bit gung-ho but I think that's what that's what Tottenham fans demanded at the time you had to go and have a bit of a go rather than, than play defensively which is I think the reason why they they probably went for George Graham in the end because too many managers were just going for it. yeah I'll
0: never forgive Alan Shurer for that one to be honest <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> so um,
0: like when when, you were, when Jerry was there like uh, Chris Chris Hutton was the assistant coach um, could, could you tell even then that Chris was going to be, go on to be like a great manager
1: yeah I've I really not a great manager I've really got on well with Chris I had him for a good few years and I've I just found him to be so down to earth and such a good coach and when you're when you're um, when you're a manager of the or coaching the the, the the reserves what it was at the time you know the bomb squad he you wouldn't have, you would have lads there with not the best uh, attitudes to be honest you'd have lads coming that dropped out of the first team getting ignored from there coming down and training and I felt sometimes they took a bit of advantage of Chris because he was such a nice fella. But as it, you know, when he got his, when he, but he still got, don't get me wrong, still a good manager. Still told us where you know when we were right and wrong. Just a nice fella. But then you know, I didn't think he would be a, a top top manager to be honest with you. But then since he's purely because of that, I just thought he was too nice. But obviously he, um, it worked for him, and he had done done really well in his in his managerial career.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he picked up a, a tough streak somewhere
1: because uh, you don't get to be a Premier League manager while being... Oh, it was tough. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't like... We couldn't... You know, I just felt that... I don't know, maybe it was a role he was playing. Maybe he knew his, his role at Tottenham was the reserve team manager and he let a few things go. That was all maybe... Um, you, know, when you, get, when, you know, when you're managing a certain level, whatever, you know, you, you know your expectations to lower him a little bit and and when you're managing a team that that have got a lot of players that are coming... Out for the first team, out from the first team squad, and are a little bit um, what's the word? <laughs> Not interested in in playing for the reserves. Then, you know, he might have just let a few things slide. Whereas if he, he might have thought next time, when if I'm the manager, I won't let things like that go. And obviously, he didn't.
0: So, so you were you were there at Tottenham out pretty tumultuous time really because uh, like they went through a couple of managers and stuff like, that. What, like what, what's it like as a player when the club's kind of like like that like is it a huge distraction
1: or did you guys just get on with it at the time we just got on with it. Uh, it that's football i think at the, at the time when we you know uh, when jerry left then so i would have had a couple of managers before that even so when jerry left it was obviously he brought me into the squad I went on loan to Norwich with with the idea that when I come back I'd be more involved in in the first team squad. And then you get different managers come in. Um, I think it was Christian Gross came in after after Jerry, and I was involved in the squads a little bit while he was there, but got phased out a little bit. And then when George Graham came, that was that was it. I was done. I never got anywhere near the squad. So from from that point of view, because there's, because it's such a turnover of managers, one manager comes in, he likes you, yeah, might give you a new contract. Another manager who comes in doesn't like her trying to get rid of you, so it's tough it is tough and I, I, I possibly because it was my local team and because I I love playing for Spurs and because I supported them and like you say I was living the dream every day I, I didn't want to leave so I would sit it out and wait for the next manager to come along and hopefully he'd like me
0: that's crazy really isn't it <laughs> uh, so as you said you had some uh loan spells and then you move to uh to Peterborough where you had to play under Barry Fry if I'm correct in saying
1: that. Yeah, Barry Fry was the, the. I don't know if you could call him the manager. He was sort of in charge of everything, kind of a director of football, but but would be in would be in the dressing room every day, and, but wouldn't take the coach the training. So um, a lad called Wayne Turner would have done the coaching. He was a very good coach. So Barry would let Wayne get on with it, and he would he would be on his phone and walk around and. And let you know if you if if it wasn't good or and let in a match, let you know if it wasn't very good at all. So no, I really enjoyed it at Peterborough. I um, only did a couple of years there. I think the the problem I had at Peterborough was I'd gone from leaving Spurs that I I had to leave my contract to run out, but I didn't really want to. I was you know I still loved it at Spurs, and I'd been like you say, I've been on a couple of loans before, and I didn't really apart from apart from um, Norwich, didn't really like any of the other clubs. I went on on loan. I didn't really, you know, compared to Tottenham, there, it was always going to be a hard thing to live up to. So when I went to Peterborough, I hadn't played a game in about, like a, a competitive first-team game in about three years, two or three years. So when I got there, you start playing games, I was just inconsistent. I'd play well one game and then it would take me two or three games before I played another good game. And obviously that gets frustrating for managers, frustrating for the crowd. So I only did, I think it was 18 months, there, or two years there and, and then I left.
0: So was uh was Barry like picking the team or, or was it was it Wayne that was yeah
1: he did, he'd he have he final say on on everything it was just he wouldn't do the coaching and yeah he was I mean don't get me wrong he was great he was he's exactly how you see it there's no there's no false pretense with him he is what he is he, he says what he, he wants to say and he'll have a go at you but then only if you deserve it and if you if you're doing well we'll tell you exactly you're doing well and you're great and you're the best thing since sliced bread so now nah, he was he was brilliant I really I really liked him.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a famous uh, flying the wall documentary about him, and he he
1: looks. Yeah, he's exactly like, that. He's exactly
0: that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's him. So, so, so then you switched over to the uh, the League of Ireland with with Waterford. Obviously, like you, the the English leagues are where everybody aspires to play. Like, how, how difficult was it for you to switch to the League of Ireland? Yes,
1: yeah, so I'd le- I'd left I'd left Peterborough, and then I was I was. Kind of, I didn't really have anywhere else to go. I went on, low, I went on trial to to Dagenham, went on trial to Stevenage, down in the lower leagues a little bit. But again, wasn't you know, didn't really enjoy it there. I, I had you know quite a good, a good time while I was there with a few of the lads that I knew. But football wise, I couldn't really see myself playing there. I didn't really think that I was. Maybe I thought I was too good for it. I didn't think I was. At that level I thought I was a bit better than that but obviously I wasn't. Um so I didn't get offered a contract at either of them. And Dan Connor was was um a goalkeeper that, who was at Peterborough at the time with me, an Irish lad, who was back at Waterford at the time. So I was just in the house one day and he phoned me and he said what are you doing? I said nothing. he said you wanna come and try it? um do you want to try it over here? Come over here for a few months we play a summer season. It'll be from, I think it was August I joined or July till the end of the season. So I said, yeah, I'll give it a go. And um, really liked it, really enjoyed it. So while I was there, Pat Dolan was the manager of, of Cork City at the time. And he, he came to see me and said, do you want to sign for Cork City? And I did. Yeah, but Pat dolan like got
0: the whole... Uh, like italian gangster going on with his feet and (laughs) hair and stuff like that right
1: (laughs) you probably couldn't say no (laughs) yeah yeah he made me an offer i couldn't refuse yeah he was he was really good he came he came down and was one of the only men there was a few clubs that were that were interested in me but he was the only one who actually came down and talked to me and I, i met him about three or four times um and he sold me the club and sold me exactly what he what he his vision for the, for the club, and he was—he's such a good salesman as well. But he was a good manager as well, don't get me wrong. But he was such a good salesman and um, sold the club really well.
0: Your, your time at Cork, uh, you, you won the league, and you had like your most uh, prolific time as a player, really. What switched that that Cork to to, to bring you on like that?
1: I think uh, I had a manager, a manager that believed in me. Players that that were good around me. We had some excellent players there at the time. Um, and I, I just think I'd, because I'd had those the, the, the few games at Waterford I'd started to play regular football which I needed and then Cook City we just for the, in, the, in the second year when Pat Dolan had gone after the first year Damien Richardson came in um, and was, was different to Pat in terms of um, it was all about just going out and, and believing in yourself and trying your hardest and, and not let the other team take advantage of take advantage of you basically and and it worked, you know. We had some some really good results, some really good European runs in both the years, and just it was the best time I had at a club. It was just enjoyable, made loads of friends, loved living in Cork, and and it, you know we won the league in two thousand five. Should have done the double, but but we lost to Drogheda in a cup final, which was very disappointing at the time. Oh, I can imagine. Um,
0: <laughs> it's like there it, it was an incredible. You're right. It was an incredible team that Cork at the time. Um so, so how did you end up then joining Bose? Like how come you didn't extend your contract with, with Cork?
1: Because at the time the club were go I could see that the club were the following year after we won the double, we didn't I think I don't know where we finished, I think maybe further fourth. I could see that the club were possibly not lacking ambition, but sort of we'd probably reached as gone as far as we could with that squad. A few players were leaving to go elsewhere. And Bose offered me a, a good contract, a good deal. Um they were had just sold daily mount for a huge amount of money, and we're going to build a new stadium there, and we're going to go for the league and dominate Irish football. And, and I, I signed for him because of that, basically. Really, they did dominate. There was like nineteen points or something like that you won the league. Why? <laughs> yeah, that was the. I mean, two thousand and seven, we had a we had a, a not a great year. We we had a lot of new players. It's difficult. I I struggled um, in front of goal. Struggled to get a game towards the end. And then Pat Fenlon came in at the start of 2008, and just he was just he's just professionalism, and he's he's just no missing, no run it run it like a without without making it sound like it wasn't wasn't a good atmosphere because it was, but just run it like an army camp. It was just this is this is the time, this is this this is how we're going to play. And we just that year 2008 when we won the won the double, just absolutely dominated it. I think we only lost one game and just just found a way to get results and found a way to dig out results every game we played so how, how good a manager is puff pa- then yeah he was he was exceptional i thought i think that in terms of setting up teams and treating you like treating you like men really this is your job go and do it nothing more nothing less There's, there was no it was it was just the, the dressing room run itself we had a lot of older pros there a lot of good experience in the in the dressing room uh, obviously Kevin Hunt was there at the start, I mean Heary, Jason Byrne, Glenn Crow, Killian Brennan, just just good good pros who would who would um just just please the please the dressing room. So Glenn Cronin was was one of the lads there as well. So it was just a really good, disciplined dressing room that knew how to get results on on the pitch.
0: So just so as you're listening to those players off, I'm just like, Jesus, like I I forgot
1: you forget how Great that team was actually. Yeah, uh, it was a like, it was, um, it's, it's, very good team. Very good. Joindo was uh, there as well. Don't forget him. Oh yeah.
0: So uh, the for, for people here in Canada, like um, have have Bo's um built that stadium? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure where I'm not sure where that money went for the stadium. Now, Bows are doing really well again. They're they're coming back up. They've got they've got a, a good manager, a good assistant manager, good young players, and and they are redeveloping David Man hopefully within the next few years. So now they are a club definitely on the up and qualified for Europe this year, which was or last year, sorry, which was an amazing achievement for them.
0: Yeah, I was talking to uh, Chris Twardek, who plays for them. Uh, he's a Canadian guy, yeah. Um, and he was kind of he played for Sligo and then moved the Balls. And he said that you yeah. could you could kind of see that little bit of a step up that it's a bigger club. So yeah, yeah um, it's it's kind of good to see like old giants like that kind of coming back. Um, but you made the, uh, the the switch across then to Shamrock Rovers.
1: <gasps> no, I, I had a little um I had a little spell somewhere else before that. I went to Dundalk before oh. that.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. And then you yeah. finished off at times, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, tipping into uh, Shamrock Rovers, like, as a, an ex Bose player, like, was there, did you get any stick or anything like that?
1: <laughs> Not from Shamrock Rovers. At the time, I'd left, I'd left, um, I got released by, but I did have got my contracts run out of Bose. And I went on the the first PFA training camp. That they do for our work players, so I, I didn't have a club. I, I wasn't ready to. I wasn't ready to give up. I, thought I needed. I needed one more year. I wanted to finish on my term. So I went to the PFI training camp, which was put on at the AUL, and Dundalk offered me a contract there after seeing me in that. So signed for them. Left Dundalk and then went to Rovers. And to be honest, nah, it was it was okay. There was. I, I, yeah, Rovers fans were okay to me, and and Bo's fans were were okay as well. I think if I'd have gone directly there, it might have been different, but no, it was it was okay. It was just Dundalk fans were, were the ones giving me abuse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're they're kind of known for that. Uh, I went
1: yeah.
0: to I went to college in uh, in Dundalk, so I know exactly what's like up there. Right.
1: Yeah,
0: so um, yeah, big time. So you, uh, you you retired relatively young at like thirty three. So. Um, like how, how tough of a decision was it for you to like, to give it up?
1: No, it was, it was, it was pretty easy. And I was just, I I saw that I wasn't going to be signing for a top team, uh, in the league of Ireland and, and didn't want to go down the route of just, of going part time and just trying to hang on and cling on to, to get a few quid while I was, you know, I needed to be training every day. I needed, a I needed a professional, um. Football club and um, I was I've been suffering from my back from a from a very early age from a, a young kid when I was at Spurs, so that was with a lot with the training on um, Astro every day at Dundalk and then playing, going to Rovers and playing it was just it was just I just had enough my back had had enough and I didn't want to I didn't want to sign for a first division team or anything like that so I just called a called a stop to it I was thirty three nearly thirty four so I think that once you've been training every day from the age of fifteen or whatever it just you can't go on forever so that was me i was done and it was it was a pretty easy decision in the end
0: you were out of football for for a while then afterwards like i know you had a brief spell with sword celtic and stuff um but you set up your own academy
1: uh can you tell us a little bit about that yeah we just I, when i when i retired i was just i started doing my coaching i done my coaching badges while i was still playing but it wasn't anything that i was really desperate to get into the coaching side of it but as you obviously as you come to the end of your career, you need to start doing something. So I started doing a, a, a soccer school, I set up a, a soccer school called Path to Pro in Dublin, um, which was which was very good, and I was enjoying doing that, coaching kids. And I had a little spell at, at Drogheda where a friend of mine, Darius Kearns, got the manager's job for for a spell, and, and asked me, do I want to do I want to come and help him out, be assistant manager? So I did. For, for a bit and that kind of fizzled out nothing really came of that towards the end of the season and I carried on with the coaching academy really enjoying it and then a friend of mine took over at, at uh, a friend of mine called Omer Riza took over at Leighton Orient for a, a spell three years ago for the last six or seven games of the season um, and they were rock bottom uh, no money the players hadn't been paid the, the chairman had gone AWOL so really not a good situation to go into but I just thought of it like what a challenge nothing to lose I could I could live at my mum and dad's for a bit they don't live too far from Leighton Orient so that wasn't a major hassle accommodation wise the academy could run itself over here so I went for it I just I said to him yeah I'll, I'll, I'll come in and um, I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed the battle of trying to get results against all odds with with kids most of the time and you know, the first day I got there, the PFA were there because the players hadn't been paid and they were going on strike. Uh, some lads were, were, were sitting there injured when they just didn't want to play. Rightly, so you know, you've got it's your, it's your right not to play if you haven't been paid. So we were trying to convince the boys to, to play. You know, there's a anyone could be watching. You could get a move out of it. Some lads already had a move that they knew they were going to another club so they didn't bother playing. But other lads needed to play. And I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed going away to, to to clubs and the battle of trying to get a result against all the odds. It was it was something that really resonated with me and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, like the like Leighton Orient had like more managers than players that year, I think that did they answer, like yeah they were going through
1: yeah people because people were not getting paid the managers i'm sure at at stages weren't getting paid and yeah it's very difficult when the players are not getting paid and you're having you're just putting out fires every day but we were only there for i think it was i think it was six games it might have been eight games towards the end of the season the club were more or less down it was just trying to get as many points as we could trying to just get the experience really i just went there for the experience i thought worst ways you know if if. They look like they're going to get relegated anyway. At least I've got that experience. At least that's on the CV. For best ways we keep them up, then you know that's unbelievable. But that we didn't, they, we ended up getting relegated and they went out of the league.
0: So there's no no chance of you guys getting offered uh, off a job full time.
1: No, I, th- I think that certainly Omer thought that he possibly might have been in with a shout. I I, I knew I'd be coming back to Ireland, but he thought that he might be in with a shout. But the, the chairman just, I you know, was just. Difficult to deal. We've ended up selling the club, and when they when you sell a club, the new the new guys wanted to bring their own men in, which they did, and um, went for a couple of managers before before Justin Edinburgh got it, an old teammate of mine, before he got it, and then obviously got them promoted, which was fantastic. They're back in the league. You went from there, and
0: you got the the job at Longford. Um, so, th- was it just like a job interview that you went in with, like, with your C- with your CV and like just sat down and just talked to them, or like, like, how did that come
1: about? Yeah. No. So I came back from from Orient now with the bit between my teeth to to be a manager I really, because of that experience before I'd never really interested me, but when I came back, I really I, I thought this is gonna, this is what I want to do now. So came back to Ireland to online and saw that the Longford job was was being advertised. Alan Matthews had been let go earlier on in the month, so i applied for it and um got a response back saying yeah listen come come for an interview in longford whenever it was so i went for the interview and then they called me back for the second interview so i went for the second interview it was was the first and second interviews i'd ever been i'd never been for an interview before so i thought (laughs) even if i don't get it i thought at least i've gone through the experience of having an interview i'd never even at, at whatever I was forty or whatever, I'd never had an interview before. So, for at least I'm getting that experience of what they'd asked me. So obviously I'd, I'd run around different managers and different people just to see what types of stuff they ask you in in interviews because I just didn't know. Uh, but luckily I, I got the Longford job and went from there. Really. So how was your how was your time at Longford? Not really good. Really, really enjoyable. It, it, it was it was such a good place for me to to put my ideas across of what I. I wanted how I saw the game because I would have played for different managers and probably would have disagreed with most of them on most stuff. <laughs> um, just, uh, just because you know, for whatever reason, you just you, you you want it done this way, and you think that no, no, no. P- probably Michael O'Neill maybe in a first team environment was the only manager that I thought that saw the game how I saw it. The others were a little bit different. So, no, when I t- when I, um, yeah, it was it just gave me a chance to to, to do exactly what what i wanted the chairman was great just said listen as long as you you get results I'm, i don't care so i went there it gave me it, it was it was a way I cut my teeth of how to how to sign players how to release players um uh, assemble a squad assemble, deal with backroom stuff and um, it was just it was just it was just a good experience and unfortunately just we never got into the playoffs in my in the first year or in the second year The first year we were we were a little bit out of it but never got into the never got promoted or into the playoffs in the second year which was unfortunate had a couple of cup runs and then um in the second year sorry yeah we didn't get we didn't get promoted so that was unfortunate
0: so like how dif- how difficult is it like to change your your mindset from player mode to manager mode I just said there like it like releasing players and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, you've been on the receiving end of it. Um, like, h- How difficult does that change?
1: I think that once I'd, once I'd finished football, I'd, because i have been out of it, I could see both. I've, I, because I'd, I'd started up my business, I could see both sides of it. You see that you see the financial side of it. You see that you're out of football, so you've got that bit of... When you're, in, when you're in football and when you're a player, you can only see it from your point of view. Once you're out of it, you start seeing the bigger picture a little bit, don't you? And as you get older as well. So if I would have gone straight into managing... After playing, I thought it would have been. I think it would have been very difficult for me. But the fact I had a, a while out of it gave me the chance to see how businesses are run, the expense the expenditures in business, and what everything costs. And, and then you kind of get a better understanding of it. And, and when you when I'm dealing with players, or if I'm releasing a player, and it, for whatever reason, I try and be as truthful as I can with them, but still try and see their see their point of view as well.
0: We're just going to take a quick break, and we'll be back shortly. Do you like international cheese, Greek olives, or Montreal smoked meat sandwiches? If so, head down to Finsbury Market, located on Chibukto and Elm in Halifax. This locally owned business serves the finest fare with a smile. They are open during the pandemic, Monday to Saturday, 10 to 5. Contactless pickup and delivery is also available. Give the guys a call on 902 422 5679. That's 902-422-5679. Finsbury Market, drop in and try something new from around the world.
1: Cork then came calling for you. Um, how happy were you being offered the job? Yeah, it was, it, I was delighted because obviously, you know, I had such a good time there as a player. Very difficult decision to leave Longford with the, with the, with the timing of it especially, but I, I felt that if I didn't take it and someone else took it and done well, then I would be... I didn't. I wasn't sure where my next chance would ever be of being of getting a, um, one of the top jobs in Ireland. So I took the decision to take it and really enjoying it. Really, really enjoying it. Really enjoying the the crowd down there, the the, the facilities, the, the being the full time football again. Just training there every day. Haven't had that since you know in a good few years, so it's good to be back out in the grass. Or it was before this happened, but it was good to be back out in the grass every day and, and training and coaching and, and being around that environment.
0: It's been like a it's been a, kind of a shaky start to the season for you so far. Um, once once we get back to reality, uh what, what do you think you need to do to change uh, things around a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think that you know we 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 the club finished third from bottom last year, and then we lost. Even more players, so it was it was always going to be difficult. We were building a team with with not, not a lot of money bringing in lads trying to get it's, it's hard enough to, I've been told trying to sign players for Cork anyway, but when you when you can't offer them great wages it's, it's it's very difficult as well. so building a squad was from more or less scratch. I think in our first game we played against Shelburne. we had eight players making their debut, so it was it was difficult. so the first game we, we were unlucky. I failed to lose. Second game we were well beaten by Shamrock Rovers. Had a man sent off just before half time. We then went away to Dundalk, which was not, uh, two days later, which is always going to be difficult as well. So I think that um, then we beat Finn Harps at home and lost us some Pats away. So I think that on the on the outside looking in, yeah, we only won one game. But when you look at the three away games we had, very difficult away games the game against Shel- Shelbourne at home we, we were, it was, they scored in the last five minutes I think it was a pretty even game so we were getting better we were improving but we needed to do you know we obviously needed to do better than what we were doing but we were like I say with so many new players we were bedding in a lot of the lads not only were they making their debuts for us they were making their senior debuts of any type so it was difficult but we were I felt that we were we were improving on our defensive side of it certainly away to Pat's um, we were defensively okay. Um and you know, obviously kept a clean sheet the week before. So we were we improving. We obviously need to make more improvements, but we were, we were definitely improving and and we're looking forward to the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, the uh, the scheduling odds definitely weren't uh, fair to you and having Shamrock Rowers and Dundock back to back away. Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so um so what are what are the players doing uh, to stay fit and focused during this downtime?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've given them a program. They've been doing um, a couple of Zoom workouts together as well to keep a little bit of team spirit going. It's just it's just very difficult. Uh, for for me, it's difficult, but I can't imagine what it's like for the players not knowing. I mean, we've got a date of June the 19th when we're going to be back playing, but I think that with every time you pick up a newspaper or read, read online different things about the virus, then that looks ever more unlikely. So... It's just difficult for them to keep going with with that date in mind without kicking a ball, without being in and amongst your teammates. Just training on your own at home is difficult. I know it would be for me when I when I was training in, in the off season on your own would be going out for runs. you do it just to top up. It wouldn't just be, it wouldn't be your main your main training load. You know, so it's, it's very difficult for them.
0: Uh, I know today they said in the papers that they're probably going to extend the uh, lockdown for another two weeks. So, like, if the league was to come back, do you see it, like, being viable, like, doing to behind closed
1: doors? Yeah. I, I'm not sure if they if, if lockdown will go on for another two weeks. I hope not. Uh, but, obviously, we need to make sure every, the virus is gone and everyone, we don't want to see any more deaths. But I, I, I can't see the viability of, of playing behind closed doors. I, I just don't see clubs going for it moving forward. That It would be... I don't see how it would be funded. I don't see how... You'd have season ticket holders paid for their tickets not being able to go to games. You've got sponsors who have paid for their their boards to be seen around the pitch. They they're not going to be seen. So I can't really see it how it's going to be played behind closed doors. If I'm being honest, and I, I don't think I would like it to be honest. I think I would you know part of part of playing and being a manager and, and being out there is that you've got a crowd there.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's it's gonna be a tricky one because I like I know that the Premier League are looking at like potentially doing that. I, I like th- you still need people to to run stadiums and all that kind of stuff, so there's still gonna need to be people around. So it's it's a difficult one. What what do you think that they should do in, in England to to finish up? Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, in England, you could. Pro- uh, it depends on. I, mean, I just don't get it. How you can how, how you can say the players can can play without social distancing, but but. Fans can't come in. It just—it just doesn't seem right to me. It just seems once you once you play a football match, then you're you're saying that people can can start mingling with each other again. That's what it seems to me. So I don't know how you would say players are okay to to not social distance, but fans coming into the ground have to. It just seems or, or are not allowed to at home. So it just seems strange. I mean, you can play games behind closed door in England because you'd be able to sell. The rights to it to different countries if they haven't already done so in, in Ireland it's not so much a it's not so much of a big sell so I'm sure in England and, and obviously our, our season was only five games into it as well the, with the financial implications of, of winning a Premier League and, and, the, and the, the money and the sponsorships comes along with that you can and with only however many games it was left in the Premier League you can see them wanting to finish that but in our league with only five games in it it's a, it's a different kind of problem
0: yeah big time like like here in here in Canada, they started their own canadian Premier League last year so this is the second season of it and they run from april to october and they're in the same boat they, they were Yeah, their
1: first I'm, um, i speak to Jimmy brennan who's um all nines manager so he's a, i was on the i was on the pro license with Jimmy so I know exactly what yeah, um well he's he's going through the same thing as well yeah he's
0: got he's got paul Stalperi there as his assistant coach as well so another to, uh, like a Tottenham connection there for you too. Um, yeah, who's that? Who'd you say that? Uh, Paul Stalteri. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Canadian person that played for Tottenham. Yeah. So uh, yeah. would Canada would would be somewhere that would interest you?
1: Candace, uh from what Jimmy tells me, is a lovely part of the world. I'm not sure whether whether the snow. Would, I'm not really a snowman. I, I like I like a bit of heat on my back. No, I, I, as a, as a manager, obviously you're looking for. You're looking to bring success to the club you're at but you're always looking at the next the next stage of your, of your career and certainly working abroad will be something that would definitely interest me in, a, in the future yeah i'm looking out the window
0: here and it's snowing so uh, it? but if, yeah but if you uh if you move to uh vancouver it's it's beautiful it's like it's all the it's like it's like a, a extreme dublin
1: <laughs> i remember a neighbor of mine he was a he was a doctor he lived a few doors down from me um uh, he moved over there. He's from Nigeria originally and he moved over to Canada and he, he standing out the front of my house here used to be cold when it was when it was like a little bit windy and I'd say to him, no, if you're moving to Canada, you better be prepared for that. And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, it'd be all right. He's sending me pictures of snow drifts outside his front door about 10 foot. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but he still he likes it. it. It's definitely a shock he to the system. Yeah. Be, uh, yeah. But the summers are nice.
0: Um, yeah. So just finishing up um so obviously Stephen, kenny's become the uh, the the ireland manager how much of a boost is that for for the managers in the league right now and uh, what do you think he can actually bring to the ireland job
1: i think it i think it it gives every everyone a boost in the league i think we all look at him and i feel we, we all look at least done dog side and saw that you know you could play you could play exciting football you could play attacking football and still win trophies and and uh, when he started it, not spend a silly amount of money in doing so you know he, he was the he was the certainly the, the one manager the standard bearer over here who would you know could assemble a squad and could see players could see things in players that that probably no one else could he was taking players from non-leaf or, um lesser senior footballer at some t- at certain times and bringing them in and, and turning them into championship ready players and they were the fittest and played great football so yeah for us we all look up to him and i'm sure that you know he'll bring great success to the to the country i hope he does yeah that'll definitely be an important
0: part of the job is like finding those little diamonds in the rough because like unfortunately like ireland's got very limited resources so um yeah i i I really hope he does well and I, i think
1: it's gonna be a great boost for the league of ireland just to have somebody coming in at the top level like that. He did well with the under-21s. He showed that, he, that the young lads there, that there was a good, exciting group coming through and they, and they liked playing for him. And one thing, he was he, he came in a couple of times on our pro license and did a couple of speeches. And the one thing he would, that we learned from him was he would, he would just have no fear. He would, he would think that his team could go out and beat anyone in the world on that day. So um, you certainly need that as an Irish manager with a little bit of ambition and go out and try and, and, try and win a game.
0: Yeah, b- big time. So, um, the, the final question. Uh, I know you're a fan of five-a-side football. So, what would be, of all, with the players that you've played with, who would be on your five-a-side team?
1: Oh, right. No pressure. Only <laughs> really sticking to Ireland, right? You can, whatever you want, man. I'd say Brian Murphy in goal. Brian Murphy was a keeper at, at um, Bowes when I was there. Very good goalkeeper. Between him and Mick Devine, Mick Devine was exceptional as well. Um, got to have a defender. Go for probably Owen Heary. Then I'd go for a midfielder, Kevin Hunt, and Killian Brennan. And then uh, who shall out up front? Glenn Crow. What a team, man! What a team. Or oh, John, so, o- uh, F- John O'Flaherty was. John O'Flynn was very good as well. When I was a kid. Excellent.
0: It's, a, it's quite a team, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: So, uh, so I, I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to to hang out and talk some football. No worries. Hopefully, hopefully we get the uh, the season back up and running pretty soon because uh, I'm starting to crack up without football. It's yeah, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Um, th- this one, this one final thing. Uh, so Joseph Alou, was that, that how you say his name? Alowu.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, he, uh, got, got from Arsenal. So he, he was he on a six month contract?
1: Yeah. He was on a, so, all, the, all the loans we had were up for until June.
0: So what happens there? Don't even then? ask me.
1: <laughs> Don't even ask <laughs> me. Um, no, I don't, I don't think anyone, but no one knows. No one knows. It's just, you know, because we don't know when, when anyone's back because in, the English teams don't know what they're doing, whether contracts are going to get extended beyond, beyond this year. No one knows exactly what's going to happen. But the, the loan players we have, I've spoken to their clubs and they would be happy for the players to extend loans beyond the agreement of June, depending on what happens, obviously, in the leagues. We're not sure. We're still not sure what's gonna when we're going to be back, when they're going to be back. So, but as far as we're concerned, we've spoken to the clubs, and they're happy that that all the, all the loan players we had were enjoying it, and the development was 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 coming nicely. So, so we, that's where we're at. I saw um I saw his
0: first interview with uh the Rebel Army TV and yeah. uh, he looked like a deer in the headlights with the reporter with his Cork accent <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah no he's yeah. He's, a, he's a good he really is a good lad he's, he's got an old head on young shoulders and he's not shy at all you know when our first you're bringing players into a group and you're wondering especially young players you're wondering how they settle in. you're asking questions and they're quiet he's not he's he's straight in he's asking questions he wants to learn he, he watches the matches back at the training ground he, he comes in on on his days off to do a little bit extra so he's, he's exactly the type of player we want his you know, performances have been excellent
0: well uh, that, that's awesome to hear um, it's, a, it's a pity he plays for Arsenal uh, so yeah. uh, <laughs> so um, thank you so much for hanging out uh, it's great to I, I, stay safe and hopefully we get some football back soon and you, Anthony, enjoy that snow. Oh, <laughs> I'll have the I'll have the wife out children it later on. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, mate. See you later.
0: Cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast. Just want to say thank you to Neil for taking time out today to talk to us about his amazing career and also his move into management. I want to thank you, the listeners, for giving us all the support. We really do appreciate it. You can head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Give us a follow on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This Friday sees our interview with Ben Fisk, so make sure to check that one out. And until then, cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ta to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.